0: Welcome all of you here this afternoon, and on behalf of my family, Tammy, my kids, myself, we just want to say that we wish you a very blessed Christmas, and we hope that you have wonderful family gatherings today and tomorrow, but even more importantly, that you experience the joy and the love of Jesus Christ, of the God who is Emmanuel, God with us. We're going to take a look this evening at the Christmas story, and we've been doing this here at Hillside during Advent. If you haven't been here, don't worry about it, but we're looking at it from a little bit of a different place, John's Christmas story, the beginning of the Gospel of John, And we've noted already that that John doesn't tell us about shepherds and angels. He doesn't tell us about magi and mangers. What what John tells us about is the Word. The Word that existed beforehand. The Word that existed so long ago that before anything was created. The Word through whom all things were created. But that Word, John tells us, what we celebrate tonight is that Word became flesh. And, and, And so I want you to hear John 1, 1 through 18 once again. In the beginning... He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came as a witness to the lights. The the true light that gives life, light to everyone was was coming into the world. He was in the world, and, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, John testified concerning him. He, he spoke out, cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I, when I said, Him who comes after me is, has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one, no one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is himself God, is in closest relationship, in bosom fellowship with the Father. He has made the Father known. That is God's word. At the center of John's Christmas story comes verse 14. And it's really this verse I want to think about with you this afternoon for just a couple of minutes. John says these amazing words, and I don't think we'll ever understand them. The word... The word that is eternal, the word that is the, the logos, the word that is the unifying principle, the word through whom all things were created, the word who is life, the word who is light, the word who is eternal, who always was, is, and always will be, that word became flesh. That word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. He, he lived with us. He, he walked in our shoes. He came to be among us. In, in this amazing way, John tells us that what the miracle of Christmas is, is that God became human. And, and and I don't know if we really understand that to the depth that we ought to understand that. Because part of what that means, part of what that means is that God, again, the eternal one, the God who, is, who has created all things, the God who holds everything in his hands, that God became dependent. Think about it. That God became dependent. Jesus put himself in the hands of a first-time mom, <laughs> dependent on her for feeding, for washing, for cleansing, to put, put himself into the hands of a father who... <laughs> None of us are up to the task, right? Think about that. God himself puts himself dependent into the hands of two people who, well, they weren't the best two people in the world. They weren't the smartest two people in the world. They were like you, and they were like me. And yet God puts himself in them, and in their hands, and, and he becomes dependent. But even more than that, think about this. Even more than that, in the birth of Jesus Christ, when God becomes human, he becomes vulnerable, No one can touch God. No one can get there. No one can confront God. No one can hurt God. But when God becomes human, then the word becomes flesh. God becomes vulnerable. He becomes hittable, hurtable, whippable, and ultimately killable. God becomes vulnerable. And it's an amazing truth. I want to tell you a story to try to help us understand this. And I will just tell you up front that it's a terrible story. It is a terrible story, and it is a sad story, but it is, I think for me, the story that in a sense captures what John means when he says the word became flesh. It's a true story. Some of you will remember it. It's a story that took place a number of years ago in New York City. A 28-year-old young woman by the name of Kitty Genovese, I think that's the right pronunciation. Some of you know the story. The name of Kitty Genovese. She worked a night job and, and got home, worked a late shift, got home about 3 o'clock in the morning, uh, she parked about 100 feet away from her apartment, so really not that much further from one end of this auditorium to the other. Just 100 feet down an alleyway to the back door of her apartment. She hurried, went as fast as she could, but someone was faster. And, 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 and somebody came up and attacked her and stabbed her twice. She screamed out. I'm being stabbed, help me, somebody help me. Lights in the apartments, again, this is an alleyway. Lights in the apartments on both sides came on. One of the, the windows went up and somebody yelled out, <clears throat> leave her alone. Leave her alone. The, the attacker ran off. But this is why this story is not just tragic, but why it made national attention. Because as Kitty Genovese laid there for 10 minutes, nobody came down. As she laid in that alleyway for 10 minutes bleeding and crying out and calling out, no one came down. There were some people who made some generic kind of calls to the police, but, not, but, but, but nobody came down. 10 minutes later, the attacker came back and stabbed her some more. She screamed out again. Again, more lights went on in the apartment buildings, but he ran off and nobody came down. 10 minutes later, so 30 minutes she is laid there. 10 minutes later, he comes back and this time finishes her off. And finally, just as she's dying, somebody comes out and holds her as she dies. It's a tragedy that she was stabbed. There's no question about that. But again, this received national attention, some of you remember, a number of years ago, because nobody came down. Because people could hear her cries, and nobody came down. Nobody came to be with her. Now, you and I can sit here this afternoon and say, I would have I would have done that. I would have... Really? New York City, three o'clock in the morning, somebody with a knife, and who knows how many other people are out there? The fact of the matter is, they sat in their places that were safe, and they did a, 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 what, what so many of us would do. They didn't come down because to come down is to become vulnerable. To come down would put you in a risky place. To come down would mean that you could be hurt, right? And so they did what, what you and I might well have done, and they stayed in their safe places. They stayed in their safe places. No one came down. And if you can picture that, friends, now we're ready. This is the good news. What we celebrate tonight, what we celebrate on this night when the word became flesh, what we see is that Jesus came down. At the heart of the good news tonight is that Jesus came down. As we were broken, as we were just kind of being crushed by everything, Jesus came down to be with us. And and, and he did it. Just know this. He did it not risking vulnerability. He did it knowing what was going to happen to him. And for many of us here tonight, and if it's not you, then we'd love to have you join us. But for many of us tonight, we say that this time, this event, this moment of God becoming flesh, of the Word becoming flesh, of Jesus coming down, that this moment changes everything. That this moment is the beginning of, of the darkness being destroyed. This moment is the beginning of the world being set right. This moment is the beginning of all things being made new. Because Jesus came down and it changes everything. And, and what I want to do this afternoon for just a couple of minutes here is, is to just ask this question. What, what changed? What changed when Jesus came down? And I want to talk about three things. Three things. And, and this, is why, this is why we sing with gusto. This is why we sing with joy. If we understand these three things that happened as Jesus came down. The, the first thing that happens as Jesus comes down is, is we know God in a brand new way. In the face of Jesus, we see God, and we know God as we never did before. John made it clear, right? The beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word what? Was God. The Word was God, and he has made him known. Verse 18, Jesus came down, and when we see Jesus, we see the face of God. Now, the Bible makes it clear we can know God in other ways. I mean, one of the ways we can know God is from creation, it, it, just seeing the sunshine, seeing the trees, the mountains, the sun, the moon, the stars. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare what? The glory of God, right? The heavens declare that. And, and just as if we walked past here and saw a building like this, we say somebody put it together. So too for centuries people have looked at this world and said somebody put it together. And we know that there's a God out there. We know about God from creation. We know about God. This one's really interesting. We know about God from our hearts, we know about God from our hearts. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says this. It says he makes all things beautiful in his time. And then he says this. He has set eternity. He has set eternity in the human heart. What, what that's saying there is that, is that God, when he created us, he put something in us that knows there's something more. And, and even though there, there might be atheists uh, among us or out there who say, no, 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 there's nothing else. <laughs> we say, no, you know deep down there is something more. Because God has set eternity in our hearts. There is something in us, each and every one of us, that says this isn't all there is. There's something bigger. There's something more. There's something that's going to last. He, he has set eternity in our hearts. We know about God from, from the world. We know about from creation, from our hearts. Mostly we know about God from the Old Testament, before Jesus we know that God is the creator. We know that God is gracious and loving and kind and compassionate and righteous and pure and holy. And he's good. We know all of those things. But friends, we don't really know God until we know Jesus. We don't really know God until we know Jesus. We don't really see God until we see the face of Jesus Christ. We see who he is. This is how the author of the letter of the Hebrews begins his letter. He says this. He says, in the past... God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets many times and in various ways. The Old Testament there, God spoke to to us in different ways. He had people come and say, this is what God is like, this is what God requires. But in these days, but in these days, he has spoken to us by his son. He has spoken to us not by a representative, but by his son. He has come to us in the flesh. And he has spoken to us. And we see God as never before in Jesus Christ. And here's the main thing I want you to pull out of this, okay? This first point here. The main thing that I want you to understand and recognize is we see. We see in an unbelievable way just how much God loves us. I want you to understand that. I want you to understand just how much God loves you tonight. Because first of all, we can see how far he has come to be with us, right? Again, think about Kitty Genevieve's right there. Think about that. All of these people, hundreds of people in apartments, a good number of them having heard, but none of them loved her enough to make themselves vulnerable. None of them cared for her enough to, to, to risk it all. But you know what? God loves you so much. Jesus Christ loves you so much that he, that he came down that he left ho- 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 heaven and, and became vulnerable. I mean, he didn't have to do that. He didn't have to risk it. He didn't have to come and be stabbed. He didn't have to come and be beaten. He didn't have to come. He, he But he did because he loves you. and And nobody else loves you like that. Nothing else loves you like that. This is why I get passionate about about Jesus Christ, because the fact is we all love something, and we all love something with all of our hearts, but the problem is nothing other than God through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Nothing else can love us back enough. Nothing else loves us enough to die for us. Nobody else loves us enough to give up everything. (laughs) And so I don't want you to give your hearts to anyone else. We love fairy tales, right? I mean, fairy tales in stories and in movies, and we get them grown up and kids' versions and so on. But there's kind of a, one of the standard forms of a fairy tale is the, is the prince or the princess who falls in love with a commoner, right? Aladdin, it's a princess who falls in love with the street, the street rat, right? In other ones, it's the prince who falls in love with a peasant maiden, and, and the rules of the kingdom are clear that if you marry her, you lose the kingdom. You can't be the king. And you know what all of us cheer for? Go for it, buddy. Go for it. Love her. Leave and, and, and be with them because you just you love that person. That's, that fairy tale is true because it's what Jesus did. Jesus stepped out of heaven. Jesus stepped out of all of it. He was God. And he loved you so much. He loved you so much that he came to be with you and to die for you. I mean, we love that fairy tale ending because we want to be that loved. We want to be that princess. We want to be that that, that or we want to be that street rat. We want to be that that peasant maiden. Somebody has somebody love us so much that they'll leave everything for us. We can see just how far God came for us. That's amazing. That's why John starts with the beginning was the word and the beginning was the logos and he was perfect and yet he became flesh and ultimately we're going to see just how far he'll go for us. He will go to a cross. He will not just leave his safe place but he will die so you and I can live. He will be beaten because he loves you so much. I mean that's why this is such an amazing holy night. This is why we fall on our knees because we see who God is in a way like we've never seen him before, that he is the one who loves us so much that he would come to be with us. We think of how far he came to be with us and how far he's willing to go. Friends, nobody else will do that for you. Please don't give your heart to your stock market IRA, whatever it is. Don't give your heart to your job. Don't give your heart to another person. Give it because only God loves you that much, and only he will come down to be with you. So so we know God in a new way. The second thing, the second thing that changes because Jesus Christ came down, the second thing that changes is that God knows us in a new way. God knows us in a new way. You know, on the one hand, God has always known us. And on the other hand, I, I've been struggling all week because God can't learn anything, right? I mean, God knows everything. He's God, right? He knows everything. But I think somehow we have to take this seriously that that God learned something here. That God experienced something he would never experienced before. Because God had never been human. God had never become human. And now he does. And, and God knows us in an absolutely new and, and powerful way. And, and that's so cool. Again, just to recognize you are not alone. What we celebrate tonight is that the word became flesh. And you and I are not alone. He knows our joys. Just think about that. God knows what it's like to crack up at a good joke. Because Jesus did, I'm sure of it. God knows what it's like to have an actually good family Christmas party. uh, uh, Probably didn't have Christmas parties, but you know what I mean. I mean, he had some great holiday parties. (laughs) God knows what it's like to give a good gift. God knows what it's like to receive a good gift. God knows what it's like, let's face it, probably to kiss a girl. To get kissed back. God is with you in your joys. God knows those things in a way, in a sense, he never knew them before because he has walked through those things. He has experienced those things. He knows those things. But even more importantly, he knows our struggles and he knows our weaknesses. He is Emmanuel. He is the word who became flesh and he knows what it's like to struggle. You see, one of the things that happens to us in our struggles is we feel like nobody understands. We feel like nobody gets it and we're all alone. But no, God knows. God knows. Hebrews two seventeen says this: for this reason, he that is Jesus had to be made like them, like us. All right, fully human. Jesus had to be made fully human in every way. Why? Why? In order that the, he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. What does it mean? Why is he? Well, what's a high priest? Well, a high priest is 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 a mediator, a go-between. Okay. And a high priest brings our needs to God, and he brings God's word and God's grace to us. And and he's that bridge. He's that mediator. He's that go-between. And if he's going to bring our needs to God, if he's going to be the perfect high priest, he needs to be in our shoes. He needs to walk in our struggles. He needs to deal with our weakness. And so God became like us in every way so that he knows. Imagine that he knows what it's like. Hebrews four goes on and says this: For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a high priest who stayed in the in the temple. We don't have a pastor who just sits in his office. We have a high priest. We have a God who came and made His dwelling among us, among us, not among a place where it was safe, but among us, who was una- We do not have one who is unable to empathize empathize with our weakness but we have one who has been tempted in every way or tested in every way just as we are yet he did not sin he is just as we are and that's a pretty amazing thing to to know that God came down right that the word became flesh and he knows our struggles he knows what it's like to be a 10 year old boy getting bullied by his friends at school he knows what it's like to struggle with what it means to to become an adult, what it means to grow up and to figure out your identity. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have his best friend die. That happened to him. And, and, and Tim Keller says this, and this really hit me this week. Think about this one. Have you ever had a time in your life, and maybe some of you are here and you say, yeah, that's when I walked away from the church. That's when I walked away from God. But have you ever had a time in your life where you prayed, And you said, God, I want this so bad. I want my mom to be healed. I want my dad to be healed. I want to be healed. I want their marriage to be healed. I want something to happen. And you prayed with absolutely everything you had. And you said, God, I need this. God, I want this. If you have ever prayed like that to God and heard no as an answer from God, then guess what? God knows that too. Think about it, right? Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, Jesus, on the night before he is is turned over, arrested, beaten, and crucified, what was he doing? He was praying And Jesus was saying, Father, if you can, would you please take this cup away from me? I don't want to go through this. I don't want to do this. And the Father said no. And so if you say, I cannot trust in God because he didn't say yes to my prayer, because he didn't answer my prayer, I want to tell you, Jesus knows exactly what that's like. Because the Father said, no, son, you've got to go through this. He knows all of our joys. He knows all of our brokenness. So, we know God like like we never did before. God knows us in a brand new way. And then the third thing, and this is the most important thing, the most basic thing, and it is this, we can be saved. Because God became flesh, because the Word became flesh, because God became a human being and became vulnerable, became dependent, because... Christmas happened because Jesus Christ is born a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Because of all that, we can be saved because what Jesus came to do is he came to take our place. I I was thinking about it. If we go back to that Kitty Genovese story, if you go back to that story, in a sense, the Bible says each and every one of us is like Kitty Genovese. We have all received fatal wounds from others, from our own brokenness, from our own sinfulness. The fact is the Bible says for each and every one of us we have received fatal wounds and we are laying there and we are calling out somebody do something. Somebody do something because I am dying. And Jesus comes down and he shows us how much he loves us and that's good. And he shows us and he learns more about us and that's good. But but what the Bible says Jesus came down to do, I, I, imagine that you're Kitty Genevieve, you're there. And what Jesus does is Jesus reaches out his hands and he touches us. And in that moment, the, the, the miracle happens that saves us because in that moment, what happens is all of our wounds, this is what happens on the cross, all of our wounds, all of our stabbings, they, they, they disappear from us and they show up on Jesus Can you imagine what that would have been like if you had the power to do that, to go and to touch Kitty Genovese and and, and to have all of her stabbings come on you and to have all of your health go into her? And and, and then Jesus says to us, He says, now you go to my place. And he dies our death. He came down to take our place. He came down to die our death. He came down so that we could be saved. And it was the only way. If there were any other way, God would have chosen it if there were any less of a sacrifice, if there was anything else other than Jesus Christ taking our place, then he would have done it a different way. John writes this in chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, it's the Lamb of God who, what? Takes away the sin of the world. Jesus Christ came to be with us so that he could die for us, so that he could take all of our sin and all of our hurts in all of our pain, in all of our brokenness. And he could take it on himself, that on himself, as he was on the cross. And we could take his health, and life, and light, and righteousness. And we, for, we could be forgiven. John twelve thirty two. Jesus himself says this, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people to myself. We can be saved. This is a day of great celebration. And I hope it's not primarily because of the presence. But I hope it's because of the miracle. The miracle that the word became flesh, that Emmanuel, God, came to be with us. That we know God in ways we never understood before. That God knows us in ways that are new to him. But most importantly, that he takes our place. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth, the one who took our place. He came down, and the only question left for this afternoon is this, will we receive him? Will we say yes, Jesus. I'm dead and I need you. And on the one hand you say, well of course, that's easy, no it's not. Because there's something inside of us that says, I can make it to the back door. I can make it to my home. I can take care of myself. Friends, joy comes when we realize we can't. But God came down. It's okay. He knows what you've been through. And he will take all of your sins and all of your pain and all of the rottenness of this world and give you life. Let earth receive her king. Let's pray together. Father, this is a story that is amazing. That you came down to be with us. That through your son, Jesus Christ, you came down to give us life. That you came down to take our place. That you know what we're going through. That we can see how much you love us. Father, forgive us when we've given our hearts to other things. We're foolish that way. And thanks for loving us even when we do. And Father, right now as we sing and light candles and reflect... Father, we pray that we will indeed know that Jesus Christ is the source of life and light, that he takes our place. We pray this in his name. Amen.